Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. These podcasts are brought to you in part by our sponsors, who really truly are what make these podcasts possible every week. O'Fallon Nutrition is a company that I've worked with for over 15 years. They're independently owned and operated, located here in O'Fallon, Missouri, right off of Highway K and Mexico Road. I call this place the Whole Foods of St. Charles County, but even if you are not located on this side of the river, it is still worth the drive. I can remember working all the way down at Powerhouse and still sending people out to O'Fallon Nutrition for their supplements. They are more than a supplement company. You can get grass-fed beef, salad dressing, seasoning for your cooking, uh, hair care products, makeup, uh, deodorant, toothpaste, uh, essential oils, and all the vitamins and minerals that you can think of. If you're looking for clean, whole food nutrition, as well as home care, house care, skin care products, O'Fallon Nutrition is your place. You can take a look at them at O'FallonNutrition.com. Or if you'd like to have something shipped, if you're listening to me from outside of St. Louis, you can certainly have items shipped. I know they do free shipping if it's an order over $50. And the phone number is 636-240-5283. Again, it's O'FallonNutrition.com. As well as if um, preparing your food on a weekly basis is your primary excuse for why you're not able to stay on a good clean eating program, which is something that I hear very regularly from my clients, I would ask you to please take the time to check out Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com. They are a phenomenal place. We get our food from there during the week. They deliver to our integrity location. They will deliver to your house. Uh, They also uh, are just available for pickup. You can go to their Chesterfield location or their Kirkwood location and just pick up meals for the day as well as um, just having them delivered right to your door. So if preparing your food is your main excuse for why you cannot stay on a healthy eating program, then I would suggest just stop by Pure Plates. Just try it. If you're trying to lower your blood pressure, you're trying to lower your cholesterol, you're trying to get your blood sugar down, try to do Pure Plates meals for a week and just see how different you feel. These are organic meals. They are gluten-free. If you need them to be, they can be dairy-free. They are soy-free. You're not taking any processed sugars or meat curing agents or preservatives. They really truly believe in nutrient dense meals that are just whole food nutrition. And I've had my clients or have made recommendations for my clients for years at Pure Plates. It's pureplatesstl.com or you can call them to ask questions at 636-778-3555. Again, remembering that they have a location in Chesterfield as well as in Kirkwood that you can just run by and pick up a meal today. They're delivering to people's homes, you know, and I mean, someone's going to choose that, you know, and it it just, they don't have a kitchen at that location. So it's just kind of pointless for them really to even have it other than, other than you're, you're, you know, you are getting people from down there that, that maybe wouldn't know about you, but they're just going to have to market themselves differently. And they've been there for a few years. So that's just a lot of cost. And if you're not getting a lot of walk-in traffic, then it's, it's hard to keep up that cost. I think he just, you know, probably, you know, I mean, I know to some extent we talked about it a little bit, him and I, but I just don't think he realized how much it really needs to be delivery. Like the business just needs to be a delivery business, you know, because people want it to land on their doorstep, you know. And the, the closest... I would, I, would, I would not think of that as a delivery business. Right? 
but that's that's what people want. I mean, they don't have the time to go there, right? That's the new thing. But and then the other pre-prepared meal company in town, they don't offer delivery. So I just think they've also been able to pull people from that, you know. And they have other pickup locations. And it's like, still, that's so much less expensive to have our pickup location and a delivery driver bring meals here than to have to have the Kirkwood location. You know, you could have a fitness center in Kirkwood, a fitness center in Clayton, a fitness center in Brentwood, and you've now covered a pretty decent area and all you're not paying anything other than your cooler, you know, and then you just, you just drop your food off there. So that's a pretty, pretty cost-effective way of doing it. I just don't think, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're first starting something like that to really foresee everything that's coming. Yeah, they don't. They are, right, which is great. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad glad to hear they're doing that. So that means they're gonna be prepared to take you know, take it on. But they have really changed. If you don't follow them on Facebook, I would follow them or on Instagram. They've really changed the the the, the type of information that they're sharing. I like every day I'm happy with one of their posts. I'm like, oh, it's good information. And it's always the kind of stuff that I share with people. And it's just nice to feel like someone's sort of taking a like-minded approach because I'm pretty strong when it comes to my views. And so it's neat to know that there's someone else out there saying the same thing. They're not, you know, there are a few doctors that, that are corresponding with me, but it's not that many nutrition coaches that are doing it. That's for sure. Uh, the title of it is why a flower is the key to weight gain <laughs> and it says when we talk about grains we use the word starch but we don't all but what we don't all realize is that starch is just sugar with a slightly more complex molecular structure this is important starch and sugar are essentially the same thing the whole complex versus simple uh, the whole complex versus simple carb idea has retired to the disturbin of history, the dustbin of history. What matters is how much a particular carb raises your blood sugar. And so when I talk to you, I always talk about how quickly does a, a, a food that you're consuming convert to sugar? You know, we even talk about fruit and how certain fruits will convert to sugar faster. So what they're, you know, the same concept, they're saying what really matters is how a particular carbohydrate raises your blood sugar. Bread versus sugar versus chocolate. Bread is a complex carb, sugar is a simple carb. But eating two slices of whole wheat bread raises your blood sugar more than eating two tablespoons of table sugar does. So whenever you eat something containing wheat flour, you might also, you might as well be mainlining sugar. On the glycemic index, uh, which measures the amount uh, that any given food raises your blood sugar, white bread is a 75. Sucrose, AKA table sugar, comes in at 65, and chocolate at 45. The rapid rise in blood sugar brought on by consuming starchy carbs and all forms of sugar is essentially the metabolic mechanism single-handedly responsible for today's global epidemics of diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. And it also contributes to dementia and cancer as well. That's like, he goes into that in pretty good detail in that uh, Wheat Belly book that I talked to you about. You know, just really explains, you know, yes, it's the gluten that's terrible for you, but then he explains, okay, let's say we take the gluten out, this still isn't any good for you. You know, you're not improving from it. Um, they, they give a really nice chart um, that kind of gives you the, I'm gonna pull it up so I can show you. 
gives you the amount of sugar that's in something. Uh, it's, and I'm gonna probably do a screenshot of this for you guys. Basamati, Basami rice, uh, the GI index is 69, and the serving size would be 150 grams. Um, how does each food affect the blood sugar? Uh, with one uh, four gram teaspoon of sugar. So it's saying that that rice affects the blood sugar like 10 of those teaspoons of sugar would. Okay, uh, potato, white potato, I love this chart because this is so informative, affects you like nine teaspoons of the sugar. French fries, seven and a half teaspoons of the sugar. Uh, spaghetti, white boiled, six teaspoons. Sweet corn boiled, four teaspoons. Frozen peas boiled, 1.3 teaspoons. A banana, 5.7 teaspoons of sugar. That's how it raises your blood sugar. An apple, 2.3 teaspoons of sugar. That's how it raises it. A uh, whole meal, um, oh, uh, one, I guess it's saying whole meal, small slice. I don't know what that is, so we won't even say that. Broccoli, the, the impact it has on you, broccoli, the sugar impact is 0.2. So it isn't two, it is 0.2, it's 0 0.2. So it doesn't even register, there isn't even a spoon full of sugar on it. Eggs are zero, so they don't raise your blood sugar, okay? Now you could say with gluconeogenesis that if you had too much protein, it could cause an insulin spike, but in most cases, what they're looking for is an average serving size, so they based all that off of an average serving size. Eating refined grains prompts your body to release insulin, which ushers the glucose from your bloodstream into your fat cells, making them bigger and plumper. Then before you know it, you're hungry, again, for more carbs. In the meantime, the insulin acts like a lock that prevents fat from being mobilized from your fat cells. If you consume more than the minimal amounts of sugar and starch, the calories will be stored in your fat cells, but won't be able to get out which is why we always feel hungry and keep getting fatter. There's a big bowl of cereal. Below the neck, your body can't tell the difference between a bowl of cornflakes without the sugar and a bowl of sugar without the cornflakes. This is how bad, that's how bad flour is. Today, grain-weary people who bake at home use flours made from almonds, coconuts or some other substitute and that's generally a good idea but in commercial food products we're getting grains and when we get grains we almost always get one or more sweeteners sugar high fructose corn syrup molasses honey dextrose maltodextrin and maltose so when you look at bread you obviously we're talking about how it converts quickly to sugar just the bread but then you also have to think not only are you having the bread, but you're having dextrose or you're having, you know, the, the different types of sugars, molasses or honey in it. And, I, and there's usually sometimes between five or six, that, that's what it says. There may be five or six different kinds of flour and sugar in there. That's a lot of ways to inflame your body in addition to whatever damage the flour itself is doing. So we're not even talking about the gluten damage right now. Now we're just talking about the flour and how quickly it will raise your blood sugar. Consider grains and flour entirely off limits if you have type two diabetes or high blood glucose. You have issues with weight control or cravings. You suffer from any food sensitivities since many of them can be traced back to gluten or other substances found in grains and flour. Do you have any digestive issues including irritable bowel syndrome or reflux? 
Do you have any autoimmune, do you have an autoimmune disease? Do you feel bloated after eating? Blood testing shows that your inflammation markers are high. Final thoughts, some of you may be reading this saying, so am I never supposed to eat flour again? Ideally, yes, but we fully realize many, for many of you, that's not going to happen. So if we do recommend any type of flour, it would be coconut flour or almond flour. Why? It is a high fiber pr pr protein and healthy fats and free from wheat and other grains. It's also low in sugar, digestible carbohydrates and calories. Plus this flour has a low score on the glycemic index. And in, in they're talking about coconut flour. In reality, coconut flour is not actually flour in the way we normally think of it. It contains zero grains and consists of 100% pure coconut meat. Flour made from coconut is a great choice for paleo and keto, keto diets, gluten-free eaters, including those with celiac disease or gluten sensitivity. Those with digestive problems like leaky gut syndrome, those with diabetes, vegetarians, and anyone else looking for a flour loaded with healthy benefits. Possible health benefits including reducing the LDL bad cholesterol, uh, encouraging good digestion, and it's rich in fiber that can ward off heart disease. This flour can be used in so many healthy recipes. Now, I usually myself will recommend, um, you know, uh, almond flour. I, I've, I like that it's lower carb. That article source was Dr. Mark Hyman. Uh, it's H-Y-M-A-N and that's who I've uh, suggested to you many times. And the, the article is uh, grains, food, what the heck should I eat? Um, so that if you wanted to just kind of look up that article, which I will screenshot that section too and just post those two things. So I'll post that uh, that chart for you, because I think that chart can be very eye-opening. And then I'll post that in case you guys want to look up that. And, and those charts out there, if you just say how many teaspoons of sugar are in a certain food, you, you'll get those charts and it'll be for different things. It'll be for fruit or it'll be for crackers, it'll be whatever. So I would suggest doing that. Um, like I said, I hadn't planned on talking about that today, but that I just felt like that was great information. Does anybody have questions about that? Because I know that kind of, makes you feel like, boy, I really never want to have another piece of toast again. You know, it's funny because I was just getting ready to read that. Right before I came out, my client said, I'm giving my daughter toast every morning. What would you suggest for the nut butter and the jelly? And I was just like, I just don't want you to give her toast. <laughs> like, I'm having a hard time picking the nut butter and the jelly. But I told her how to do the nut butter and jelly, you know, but I just didn't even want her to have toast. But um, you got to start somewhere, right? So if you start by eliminating pancakes in the morning and go to a gluten-free bread and put them on all fruit and then put them on a nut butter that's clean, that's a starting point. And if they're good with that, then maybe you can eventually get them to have something with the peanut butter and it's not right exactly right exactly that would be the thing um so that's that's a good that'll help us a lot with deciding if we really need the bread that we're about to eat you know especially when we're out to eat and we're about to have a steak and that steak has a lot of fat in it we really don't want to raise our blood sugar that much because then all that extra fat isn't going to be used as an energy source and it's going to end up dumping in the liver. You're going to store body fat, you're going to store fat in your liver. So that's something very important to consider. Um, so that article was through Pure Plates uh, and from Mark Hyman. But if you're not following Pure Plates online, I would follow them. And I get those through emails. So that article was not on their website. So you might want to decide to get attached to their email because they actually send out a lot of coupons. 
Right. They send a lot of coupons. It's great. They have great stuff that they send. Um, and if you haven't, I mean, not to like have a commercial here, but if you haven't tried them, one thing I will say is they are incredibly willing to customize things. So if you struggle in one area of food prep, maybe it be your vegetables or maybe it be your meat, you can order it by the pound for them, you know, and, and like there was a period where like with John, we used their turkey burgers and we would get, you know, eight to 12 turkey burgers a week. They'd come in this container. He'd just go in back, warm up the turkey burger, put some of that uh, barbecue sauce or hot sauce on it. And then I will, I would have made him what he was going to have with it. We made, you know, we would have made some rice or some sweet potato or whatever he was going to have, you know? Um, so even if you're kind of in a bind like that, where maybe there's just certain foods that you struggle to make, maybe look at them like that because they will customize. And if you look at their menu and they have foods on there that you just know you just don't like, then just switch it around. You know, if it comes with broccoli, get asparagus with it. If it comes with rice and you're not eating rice, have them put double vegetables, but they're very willing to do that, okay? And they, they don't put soy in their food. They do have some foods that have dairy because they have cheese, but you could just ask them to leave that out. And their foods are gluten-free. So, and they, they don't put any sugar in what they do. I mean, they use stevia and stuff. Um, I think they use honey and some things too, but you know, you're just, they're clean options if you need super hyper convenience. If you really cannot, if you have a week, you cannot get your food prepped. Maybe you have a family member in the hospital or you just, you know, you know you're gonna be working overtime. That's a good way of doing it. Okay, so I'm not sure if you all, you know, even know, um, if you're eating clean food, you're not really eating a lot of food dyes. So if you're eating, you know, vegetables and you're eating, you know, good quality meat and a good quality fat source, you're really not consuming food dyes. But if you're feeding your child a fruit snack instead of fruit, or you're having um, a drink that is obviously artificially sweetened, but it is of a different color, you're likely to be having some type of food dye. And what most people don't understand is how much it can actually affect your brain. So there's, there's a candy that John used to always eat when he ate candy way back when, before he lost the weight. Um, it was like a gummy bear, but then it had sugar around it and then they were sour, but they were all different colors. And those food dyes combined with those sugars, John is not okay with those. I mean, he is so anxious after he eats them. It's extreme. We have to sometimes give him, we'd have to give him medication. Of course, we have no idea in the beginning that this was what was going on. I mean, you don't, you're not thinking. I mean, obviously we know that the, the candy wasn't a good idea and it wasn't helping him, but it would affect him for days. So there are a lot of children out there that are on attention uh, deficit medications, not realizing that they're actually having a food, like their cereal and then their fruit snack and then their, you know, flavored apple sauce like they're having three layers of food dyes and then they're having a cupcake when they get home or a popsicle or you know something like that when they get home they're having multiple layers of food dyes and it's really causing them the actual issue that they're having and and, and proper blood sugars causing that too but it can happen just as easily in adults so when we think about it, it seems logical that consuming candy, drinks, or in foods added with petroleum-based colorings not found in nature might be problematic, 
but the problem is just that we just don't sit and think about it so you have that and you're not realizing that i'm literally taking in poison right now i mean i remember we colored our eggs growing up you know with the food dye we get all the food dye out you know we color our eggs with it so um Artificial dyes are, you know, most people think that artificial dyes are harmless or a minor ingredient, but food companies add more than 15 million pounds of artificial food dyes to our foods each year, over five times the amount added to the food supply when our parents were children. So our food is just completely different. Um, artificial food dyes have been linked to behavioral problems, various types of cancers, and other problems. The European Union requires foods with food dyes to come with a warning label and has been banned uh, and has banned many of the dyes still that the U.S. allows. So they've banned them. Many people come into contact with food dyes without even realizing it in toothpaste, crackers, pickles. I mean, who knew pickles? I, I, that's crazy. Uh, yogurt, yogurt for sure. Uh, potato chips, pastas, and other foods that would not be obvious sources. So those are kind of your less obvious sources, but yogurt's one of those where people will think that they're eating healthier, you know, and they could still be sort of promoting the anxiety, you know, still working with the or still having more anxiety, not realizing it. There are seven artificial food dyes approved uh, for in U.S. foods. So they're approved in the U.S., they're safe. Most commonly used are the Red 40, Yellow 5, Yellow 6, which make up 90% of the market. These dyes are created synthetically and in several ways. Uh, some dyes are created by burning coal tar and others are derived uh, from petroleum byproducts uh, like tartrazine and erythrozine. These artificial dyes are added to foods to enhance their color and to make them more kid-friendly, but they're nutritionally void and potentially harmful. Many of the food dyes have already been banned, so like we said. So you gotta think, when that stuff comes into your body, that would be like being in the garage, and my dad was changing the oil, you know, and maybe he was cleaning out the engine and doing some different things. My dad always did the work on our cars. You know, you come in the garage, and you, it would come over you what you just inhaled. You know, my poor dad is underneath the car inhaling and over the car inhaling it, so that was even worse. But you kind of go through the next hour kind of like almost a little bit dizzy from it because you, you legitimately just inhaled a bunch of chemicals. So we're eating them. That's like those, those byproducts are byproducts of things that could be potentially used to clean your house, to fix, you know, fix your car, uh, so we're eating them. So that's, that's very concerning. Um, so uh, in the EU and Europe, they, their foods containing artificial food dyes were required to carry a warning that consumption may have an adverse effect on activity and attention in children. That's the warning that they put on it. Those same foods are routinely marketed to children in the U.S. without any such warning. The FDA currently holds a position. They have not found any conclusive evidence that food dyes cause behavioral problems in children, but that some children who are susceptible will notice increased attention, uh, symptoms of ADHD with food dyes. Exposure to food and food components, including artificial food colors and preservatives, may be associated with adverse behaviors, not necessarily related to hyperactivity, and that this is the warning that they're suggesting in certain susceptible children. So they're basically saying, if you have ADHD, these food dyes might make it worse. Well, wouldn't it just make it, if it's gonna make it worse for someone who has ADHD, 
then wouldn't it potentially be building a scenario where it could make it worse for everybody then? And so then over time, as that stuff gets built in your system and your body isn't releasing it, well then just wouldn't you end up having it at that point? You know, it's storing in your system, it's petroleum. You know, they don't even suggest using Vaseline for that reason because you're, it's not a quality, you know, product you don't want it to come through your skin so your liver tries to detox at the best of its ability but some of this stuff like you know God's capable of doing everything right so I'm not going to try to say he's not capable of doing it I'm just saying that when he began time he didn't actually decide to tell us to put this in our food therefore our liver wasn't really built to get rid of this stuff it's like it's not a carburetor or it's you know it's not an exhaust system so therefore it's going to be somewhat difficult to get some of that out of us so cancer risk is something that's concerning as well research suggests that some children may be susceptible to even tiny amounts of artificial dyes but that a significant number of children were affected by uh, amounts of over 35 milligrams per day. Um, recent research from Purdue uh, University showed the amount of dyes in common foods was much higher than expected and that one bowl of brightly colored cereal or some candy and macaroni and cheese was enough to break the 35 milligram threshold. You know, you don't even think macaroni and cheese, right? You're thinking cheese, you know, and macaroni but it's the fake cheese, it's that powdered cheese, so that they're putting the food dye in there to make it more yellow for you. So that's scary. The research on artificial dyes and behavior is still developing, but the personal experience of many moms is astounding. Um, I, this is, you know, this is one of those things where if you're just eating real food, you don't have to worry about food dyes. There's no food dyes in your food, but a lot of people are not feeding their kids real food. And this is why I always say, if you're going to feed your kids a fruit snack, just feed them fruit, you know? I mean, just feed them fruit. Um, if they really like like, um, like a fruit roll up or something like that, just, just make it. It's not hard to make. You know, you just blend it all up and you dehydrate it. If they really like something sort of jelly-based or gelatin-based like that, just get the um, Vital Proteins has collagen, um, I don't know what that's called. Uh, it, I guess it's just called gelatin. I mean, and, and it, it would make jello or it would make something like that, like a fruit snack, you could just make it. Obviously the fruit snacks are easy. A lot of schools, that's what their snack is. A lot of churches, that's what their snack is. It's not a good idea. Okay, so I don't know. Has anyone ever even given any thought to a food dye? I mean, has it even concerned you before? Just think of it like, it's a very foreign, foreign intruder for your body and you, you don't want it. So if you're looking at a lemonade or if you're looking at something that's, you know, really vibrant in color, popsicle or just whatever, of course candy, you know, but we already know that that candy is a bad idea anyway. So there was really no reason uh, to have the candy, but get, get the foods with the food dyes out. So if you're going for a dessert and you're deciding this is my night, I'm going to have something, don't have it if it has a food dye in it. Just don't. There's better things you can buy. You can buy a cake that was baked like a cake. You know what I mean? Uh, you can buy a pie that was baked like a pie. It doesn't have to be enhanced with those things, you know, or you can make it yourself and not have it enhanced with those things. Tough thing is going to be the sugar cookies, those creative, really adorable ones that 
we get for Sophie's parties and stuff. I mean, you, the, we had this last year a kid that was like, we, we had allergies in the class, so you could only, you couldn't bring anything with nuts in it. You couldn't bring anything with food, dye, something 40 and something yellow. So like the lady that did the, the sugar cookies for us, I mean, she had to just use butter, cream, ice, you know, icing, and then she had to like outline things on a lot of the things that she did. Now the year before we didn't do that, but I mean, it was, that was part of the allergy list for one of the kids because it's so significant. And so many of the parents in the class did not understand like what that was. They had never even heard of it, you know, and I was excited because then that just meant that stuff couldn't be brought in. But as soon as they would go out to the lunchroom, that would be the kind of stuff that they would be given as part of their food, you know, so. You think? Like, even the vitamin shops. I mean, vitamins that you would think, these people have podcasts, they preach health, I know. health, you know, like Joe Rogan, you know, he, mm -hmm. multidextrin. Right. Dextra, I mean, just a bunch of products leaking in. Mm -hmm. It's super frustrating. Remember I told you, this is like two weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, I told you that I really like Terry Walls. She's um, a doctor and she's, she has MS and she kind of healed her MS through nutrition and she came out with a collagen and I was super excited and then she came out with a uh, grass-fed beef protein I'm like oh we'll sell that but that that's that's a given like that's gonna be a great product and then I looked at it and I was like oh why'd you have to put that in there and I just thought I don't understand why she put that in there because of all people you know so it just gets I've wanted to private label my own protein for almost 20 years now and at powerhouse they private labeled their own protein they did whey protein but they had sucralose in it and so i wasn't willing to get on the bandwagon and i my boss at the time he went to the end of the earth for me to try to find a formula i mean we just would have had to charge like 65 70 dollars like that's the only way we could have done it we were going to pay like almost what we were paying you know what you guys would be paying for the protein we have now so we just couldn't do it you know maybe things have changed now because there are a lot more products made with stevia and monk fruit but yeah it's just really sad so i wanted to bring that out now you know when you think of uh of candy skittles uh sweet tarts uh pixie sticks fun dip uh gummy bears things like that all of john's favorite you know i mean those are literally all of his favorite those are the, those are your worst, you know, um, eat, but I mean, even M&Ms, you know, they put that, that color, you know, you're better off. I mean, there's no good, you know, so I feel bad, like even talking about it, but like, if you were going to have a Hershey bar, you'd, you'd still probably have less, although you never know, you would have to look at the ingredients. There might be a food dye in there, but I would give like on Halloween, I, I like to see Sophie have something like that versus those skittles and stuff like that i just i just don't i don't like her having to have those those are just not worth it and i know she's going to get them from other areas and sweet tarts sweet tarts and skittles in her kindergarten class that was the reward for job well done job well done and i think i told you guys where they said 
you will get candy until your mom writes a letter saying that you cannot have candy. Of course, that night I reminded them of the letter I sent at the beginning of school and she was like, you're right, I'm really sorry. And I said, I'll buy erasers, I'll buy you a gift card so you can buy her stickers, like whatever you need. I just don't really have that. But they would be giving the child that type of candy and then they'd be going back to class and then, you know, they're not gonna have the attention. The, the juice types of drinks that they're drinking, you know, what's in it? You know, what are in those drinks? So those food dyes really do matter, okay? Um, <clears throat> I wanna talk a little bit about, I'm gonna break down lunges a little bit for you guys. Um, I saw Mike the other day doing this and I'm gonna show you this. I like to use the pole as the example just because I think you can visualize it a little bit better. Lunch is one of the exercises that I personally feel like is the easiest way for someone to hurt their back and for someone to hurt their knee. So people will say, well, I don't want to do lunges because, you know, I always, my knee always hurts or my back always hurts. And I get that. That makes sense because it's a great way to great way to do it but it's also a great exercise and if you're taught it in appropriate progression you can do it and still feel good you know so whenever I'm teaching someone to do a lunge the first way I teach them to do a lunge is a stationary lunge and I put them in a protective position so I'm going to use this pole as if it is my pole but I'll just show you real quick what I would normally do for the first uh first time I do a lunge with someone I would set them up in something like this so it would You know, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. I just want to see it that way. So I always recommend starting with a stationary lunge. I never recommend starting with a walking lunge. Okay, so stationary lunge just means I'm taking a nice long stride and all I'm doing is just going all the way down and coming all the way up. Okay, so things I could do wrong with a stationary lunge. I'll kind of show you from this angle. I can go too far inside from my hip and I can go too far outside from my hip. That's the first mistake. So think about if I come down like this and I'm this wide, all of this right here is going to end up hurting and my knee is going to end up hurting. So what's really important is that I think about where my hip is aligned, where my hip bone is, and I'm gonna come straight back from it, okay? And if I'm not, I'm telling you, your hip flexor or your knee is going to end up telling you that. And the struggle with the walking lunge is that every time you walk, it's really easy for you to misalign that. So you've got, you know, you've got to have someone kind of eyeballing that, you know, with each time. Like I, I'll talk with my client while they're going down, but in the middle, I'll interrupt them. Oh, get your foot straight. Oh, you're not in line or something like that, you know. And a lot of times I'll watch them from behind because I want to see how lined out they are. But I would suggest being in front of a mirror where you can see that lineup first okay now when i'm in position what i want to do is you know i'll give someone a pull so that they can hold themselves up if we don't have a post like that then of course they do well that i take the pull out but we want your body to stay straight up and down so i'm gonna be able to come down without this coming forward so if if mike was standing right next to me he might hold this 
And if I'm here in front of that, I'm not doing the lunge correctly. Okay, so if I am not able to lunge without breaking at the waist that much, I shouldn't even really be lunging yet, or I should always be lunging with a bar in front of me like that to force myself into that position. And what's happening is, is I just don't have the confidence back here because I've been using my back as my glute for, let's say, for so many years, okay? So when I get into this position, I want to use my back to come back up. I don't really want to use my glute because I don't even know how to use my glute. My, my mind doesn't even know how to do that yet. I haven't even really figured out how to contract it. Okay, this is a great exercise to contract it though, if you can get it figured out. Another thing is, is if you're super tight in here, it's gonna be really hard to even stand like this. Right here, you're just gonna feel a burn, you're gonna feel a pull, it'll pull against your quad and then that will pull against your knee. Okay, so, you know, just if you're really tight in there, you're gonna do that hip flexor stretch that I've shown you where you're down on one knee, that's very important. Okay, so all the way down just before you hit the ground, that front foot, I'm pushing through my heel to come up. Whenever you're doing really any leg exercise, everything should be focused in the heel. So when you're in your heel, you're in your hips. When you're in your toes, you're in your knees. You know, you're gonna use the joint to do the movement. I mean, maybe a calf raise, you know, but for the most part, any movement that we do, we need to be focused on that heel, okay? So that's a stationary lunge, but remember that we're not breaking at the waist to come down. So it's super important that you don't have that angle. It's always important that you're here, okay? All right, then when I come up from the lunge, so say I go all the way down from the lunge just before I touch the ground, when I come up, I'm gonna squeeze right here, contract the glute, that's that final part. That's another thing you'll see people do. They don't go quite down and they don't come quite up and they don't go quite down and they don't come quite up and they just kind of hover in this middle area where nothing's really getting contracted. You're just building a lot of blood in the quad. Not that that's bad for the quad, but it's also not as effective as what it could be. So making sure alignment's where it should, all the way down, then up, squeeze the glute to finish it. Then I don't start the next one until I get that contraction back there, okay? Now, the next step, I don't even start with walking lunges after that. The next step is alternating. So I can see what happens when I just sort of go from one side to the next. Do they really start to get thrown off? Okay, so if I'm here, I'm gonna step, secure spot, push through my heel, come back. Secure spot, push through my heel, come back. Now notice, it'd be real easy for me to take my knee and go in like that. And if I take my knee and go in like that, I'm gonna hurt my knee like that. I mean, you are going to hurt your knee. So that's how easy a lunge could be thrown off. So if you're not feeling secure when you're alternating or when you're walking, just tell your trainer, I don't know, I think I should just do these stationary. I just think I'm better, I think I'm more secure. I, I'm feeling it better. I just, I, I, I'm feeling too sloppy on them. They, of course, should be noticing that, but you sometimes can put on a pretty good show. You know how you're feeling. You know what I mean? So if it's not feeling, and if you're feeling any pressure in the knee, then you need to let them know. Yeah, okay? it's, it's always reminding me to step back far enough right. that my knee doesn't go. Over your toe. That was the very next thing I was going to say. It's really good. So when you're feeling that pressure in the knee, you have to look. If I was stationary, where am I? You know, am I right there? That's, that's too far. If I go to step, 
and I step like this, you know, then my knees over my toe, then I'm gonna put, apply all that pressure to the joint. Okay, so just really take your time, secure yourself, make an L with that front leg and basically an L with that back leg, all right? Now, I always suggest posture up here. Not every trainer does that. Some people have, you know, their, you know, hands down at their side. And if you're doing dumbbells down at the side, then you're definitely advanced. Your, your lunges are advanced then, okay? So you're gonna obviously have good posture or you wouldn't be doing that. But I normally suggest in the beginning when someone does stationary lunges that they hold their hands like this so that their elbows can be back the entire time, okay? Now, with walking lunge, I like to have someone hold a ball or a, a plate in the beginning because I think it allows them to like really engage their back properly. So then as they do it, they hold that posture, okay? Now with a walking lunge, the key to the walking lunge is not letting the knee go over the toe every single time, making sure your back stays nice and straight the entire time. And when you step, there's a lot to think about. When you step, is my foot straight, okay? Is that lined up with my hip? Come down, come up. Did my foot go out? Did my foot go in? Did my leg get too wide? Did my leg get too inside? Those are all the things that we have to think of. So I wouldn't be too quick to just jump into doing walking lunges. You know, I just don't feel like, um, I don't feel like, I think a lot of people want to work their clients out really hard. So they don't want them to feel like those first three sessions are kind of a waste where they're just making them stand there in front of a bar and just, you know, they just, they just want to make them feel like they got a great sweat and they're walking out the door. But learning how to do a lunge and breaking it down that way and feeling where it's supposed to be felt is important because you can just kind of skate your way through this and use a lot of your joints for doing it. Does that make sense? And you're not going down to the ground. You're going down just before. So it's too far if you're, if you're coming down hitting the ground and you're coming all the way up and contracting that glute at the same time. And then there's a hundred different variables on how to do lunges. I mean, we can do them from the side that would hit the side. We can do them from the rear to hit the glute more. But the, the primary thing to remember is no knees over the toe, not breaking and bending at the waist, which is super important. Um, and then just, you know, making sure that you're staying in your heel the entire time. That's what's securing you is that foot that's planted, not the one that's, that's up, but the foot that's planted, you're pushing through your heel as you go to get up. All right. But try it sometime. If the stationary lunges don't feel that difficult for you, add dumbbells to it and really secure your posture and do them with dumbbells. It'll, you will feel that tension build because you're staying all on one side. And so you'll get all that tension and it, it makes it pretty hard. So consider that, okay? Questions about that? About lunges in general? Okay. Make sure that you stretch your hip flexors. If you are doing lunges and you do feel like you get a lot of a pull in here, just make sure you stretch your hip flexors before you're doing them, okay? Okay, I wanted to give you some ideas on, um, sure. I would do the kneeling one where down on one knee okay. and you just come forward like that. Okay. Um, another though, I'll find something like I usually do this on the back of my chair in my office, but I'll just come here and I'll do it this way. 
you know, and then I really get my quad in there too. I just lean back, that really helps me to get my quad too. So that, those are the two I usually suggest. These are just easy. I mean, what's a good way to stretch your hip flexor if you don't have a trainer to stretch you, you know? Um, and another thing is you could lay on your stomach, you could put a band around your ankle and you could pull your leg single and that would lift it up. Does that make sense? Okay, that, that's a good, that's almost like as if what your trainer, hello, as if what your trainer would do for you, you know what I mean? That would be almost equal to that. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, sure. And your quads are gonna be tight. So don't ignore those, you know what I mean? You need, you need to stretch your quads. And so when you're in that hip flexor stretch, the more upright you get, the, you know, the more your quad's going to get a stretch, especially for something that's like upright like that. Just today, uh, Greg was on the hack squat and the swing squat, and he was like, I'm getting a sharp pain in my knee, and it's sharp. And I said, okay, when was the last time you foam rolled your quads? And he said, I don't think I've ever foam rolled my quads. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay. So we laid on it, and I mean, it was like right above where it was sharp like that, and it, I mean, he winced, I mean, made a huge noise and he was like, oh gosh. And so he just sat there and really got into it and got into it and got into it. And um, he, he got back on and he's like, it, it's like it's gone. And I'm like, I know you can't have your quads that tight. You know, so if you're really feeling a knee issue come on, try to get some foam rolling in or try to do the lacrosse ball. I mean, you can go up against the wall and the lacrosse ball on your quad or you can lay down on the lacrosse ball too, okay? Or if you go to massage on a regular basis, tell them that your knee's been bothering them so they can work your quad, your IT band, and your inner thigh. Maybe even your calves need to be loosened up a little bit. So I had gotten to where I was only having her work me from the waist up for quite a while. And then I kind of changed my leg workouts up and I thought, well, I better have her start working my legs again because you'll be surprised how, how quickly you can get inflamed and what that ultimately can end up doing. You know, I mean, it'll cause foot problems, it'll, it, a lot. It'll just trickle its way down, back problems ultimately. So if your hamstrings are too tight, your back's gonna end up bothering you. Okay, that's a good question. Any other questions like that? No? So I was wanting to kind of give you some, do some brainstorming, give you an idea of how to make meatloaf. Does anybody in here make meatloaf on a regular basis? Yeah? So one thing I do, I'm gonna give you multiple ideas, but one thing I do, uh, I think Laura's made these out in my cookbook, I call them the Hulk burgers. They're with bison, but I mean, you can use, you could use anything. Uh, instead of just making a big meatloaf, I take everything that I would do to make the meatloaf, and I just make them into, you know, I don't even make them into loaves, I just make them into hamburger patties. But I put them, I put a cooling rack inside a sheet cake pan, which I do for my meatloaf always, and I set those patties on top of that. And then I baste the patty with whatever sauce that I'm doing. I just started doing that years ago because then I kind of knew how much meatloaf I could have, you know, each day. And I would just make them like that. Then each day I could have one of those, you know, and it was really just kind of having a hamburger patty that was a little bit thicker and a little bit taller and was more like a meatloaf. Um, and then I based it up and it would have that sauce that had been baked into it. It's really good. So what I have learned over the years to do is to either take rice cauliflower 
and use that as my binder along with egg or egg white. Rice cauliflower works really good. And what I get is the fresh rice cauliflower that you get in the produce section that's like pre-washed, pre-chopped, turned into rice, not the frozen one. And that just really seems like it just binds it all together. Um, that with egg white or egg. Now in years past, I've used um, oatmeal. I would like grind up the oatmeal almost like to where it was like a powder. I've used that. My mom used oatmeal my whole life. She never, she never made it into a flour. It was just whole oats. You'd just eat a piece of oatmeal and there'd be a whole oat in there. But I got to where I couldn't have oatmeal, so then I started using almond flour in it. And the almond flour works really well too. But the, but the rice cauliflower to me is pretty good. Another great addition in, in I think, in uh, meatloaf is shredded carrot. I don't know, has anyone ever put shredded carrot? I just love it. It sweetens it a little bit. You know, I think that coupled with onion, it just gives it kind of like a sweeter taste to it. So that's a great idea. Uh, that is an awesome idea. Yeah, and then just add some fresh herbs to it. That is the one thing I always recommend doing is to add fresh herbs to meatloaf. You just would not believe how much more fragrant it makes it. Uh, I like to do, and this is just my taste preference, there'd be plenty of other things that you could do, but I like to do chives, fresh chives, and then um, just a little bit of thyme, you don't need a lot of it, and then fresh parsley. Fresh parsley adds a lot of potassium, uh, but boy, you can just taste it. It's like a bouquet of flavor that you put in it. Instead of just like a little bit of dried this or a little bit of dried that, it just doesn't have the same taste. I mean, chives dried and chives fresh, you can smell the chives fresh. I mean, they're like, it's, it's just, you really get, can taste the difference. Um, I will put those on the top, you know, and let them like kind of finish it with those two. They're delicious that way. Now, you don't always have to go a tomato route with an oatmeal. There's an oatmeal in um, my second cookbook that Ina Garden did, I mean, but she added a bunch of yummy stuff to it, but I took all the yummy stuff out and then I added some other stuff, you know, stuff like that. But I took the concept of it. And so I used olive oil as sort of my base with broth of what I put on top. You know, so it was like sauteed onion, sauteed garlic. It was a decent amount of garlic and then olive oil and then broth. And I basically just simmered that and that I just poured that over it and it just like soaked into it. I baked it with that, but then at the very, you reserve some and then at the very end, you just pour that on top of it. And I mean, that wasn't tomato at all. You know, that just had like almost like a, uh, I hate to say a vinaigrette because it didn't have vinegar in it, but it, it had a buttery taste to the top of it, but it didn't have butter in it, okay? So that with the fresh herbs was really good. Now, when it comes to a tomato-based sauce, if you're wanting to do an oatmeal and you want it to have, or an oatmeal, a meatloaf, if you want it to have a tomato-based sauce, don't feel like it always has to be ketchup because it really doesn't. I mean, ketchup is only one way. I mean, you could do a primal uh, style ketchup, you know, that primal brand ketchup, you could do that, um, but you can just get tomato sauce, 
and just doctor up the tomato sauce. If you want to thicken it, just add tomato paste to it. And then you, I mean, you can add garlic to that. You can add a little bit of uh, cayenne pepper to add a little kick to it or a little bit of hot sauce just to add a little bit of spice to it. I just add stevia to sweeten it as if I was using ketchup, you know, just to have that same sweetness to it. And I add mustard. I like to add dried mustard to that because it just gives it a little bit of a difference in the taste, you know. I use that that's I think kind of like what my Hulk sauce is and it has a little bit of apple cider vinegar in there too uh, but I, I like to use that on anything if you just brown up your hamburger and you use that type of tomato sauce on that and then you mix it with some noodles like some zucchini noodles or you mix it with some rice cauliflower that's a great combo too and it kind of feels like you're having um, the uh, meatloaf you know but only in a, a crumbled up way you know so that would be my suggestion. Meatloaf is just such an easy way of getting meat done for the week. You know, you just get, and it tastes good. I like it leftover. You know, you kind of almost are okay. It's almost good cold. It's so good, you know, but um, you know, growing up, I liked meatloaf the next day better than the first day, you know, cause the, the sauce on top would kind of turn a little, and we would just, it just, it tasted better. So it, I wouldn't fear having meatloaf for the entire week, you know, and that with some rice cauliflower or that with some green beans, that's a really good combination. Have you all tried to make clean versions of meatloaf? Okay, does it go, has it turned out okay? No, really? What happened? Okay, okay. Well, one thing I'll suggest is the loaf pan. Like when it comes to adding rice cauliflower, you're adding more water. So the loaf pan can be confining, and so that's going to make it kind of soggy. So that sheet cake pan and that cooling rack, that makes such a difference. You know, so I would suggest that always. And I don't make it a tall loaf, I make it a low loaf, and I learned that from Ina. She makes it like that high, but makes it like that wide. And so then when she serves it, you know, it's like, that you know it's not like this big tall thing moms used to always be you know that tall but thin um so think of it like that too so much of that extra water will drain out and so much of that extra grease will drain out too which is awesome really good i used to always make it with uh, ground turkey also yeah, so I I with turkey just plain yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll make it with ground sirloin, grass finished ground sirloin, make it with bison. It's really good with bison. But I, I would kind of make the burger form of that where it was like just bigger, you know, like almost little individual loaves. So, and I, again, I cook those on the sheet cake pan and, and the cooling rack so all that can drain down too. Um, as far as like a tomato sauce uh, that you could buy. They make no sugar added marinara sauce, but that's so Italian. You know, usually those are so Italian based. I've just never really liked my meatloaf to have that type of flavor. I've always wanted it to have like a kick or a tang, um, maybe more of an onion garlic flavor to it. So I've really never done a, a pre-made sauce. I've always just done tomato sauce, tomato paste. I might get some chopped tomatoes, you know, that sort of thing. Now. Canned tomato sauce, canned tomato paste, canned tomatoes. I mean, there's always, you know, the acid in the tomatoes react to the metal in the can. So there's always the chance that you could get heavy metals from eating that. So just be aware of that. If your body and your liver is somewhat toxic, 
and you're kind of always dealing with heavy metals, which a lot of people with immune issues are, you know, you may not want to do canned anything for that matter, but the tomatoes are supposed to, the acid in tomatoes, have you heard that? Or the acid in tomatoes are really supposed to like take on those metals. So that would just be something I wouldn't consider doing. Okay, I'm gonna Pinterest my next thing I'm gonna talk to you about. Any questions about that? About me? I mean, I know it's kind of an isolated thing to talk about, but I feel like it's one of those foods that if you make it, you have meat for five days and it's just so convenient. It's not that hard to make. You just, you just pile it all in a big bowl, roll it together with your hands and then throw it, you know, throw it on the pan. The sauce is the most complicated thing, but I always like to make a ton of the extra sauce and then all week long, I just kind of put it on different things or I pour it on top of the, uh, you know, the, the meatloaf as I'm going throughout the week. So I probably have mentioned this book to you guys before. It's a really short read. It's called The Four Agreements. Have you guys remember me mentioning it to you at all? The Four Agreements. Um, I just get a lot of folks and lately, I don't know, you know, you go through these seasons where you feel like you feel like everybody's in the same family sometimes, you know, like all your clients, they're all in the same house or something because they're all going through the same things. It's kind of crazy how it happens, just different seasons, but there's just so much emotional eating and there's so much eating connected with all the stressors of, you know, of everyday life. In this book, I just feel like it just brass taxes how to live and not get yourself so overcome by stress all the time, you know, and not always being overwhelmed and always stressed out. Um, years and years ago, this is probably 15 years ago, I had somebody give me this book and it wasn't because I was being good. It was because I wasn't being good. I might've been 20 years ago. They gave it to me because they were like, you just, you're, you take things too personally. You know, you, you, you always try to turn it that, you know, you did something wrong or that, you know, maybe they meant it in a way that they didn't mean it, but you just, it has nothing to do with you. You know, if they were ignorant to you, it has to do with them. And I mean, it, it was very clear. Now they were very loving when they approached me with the book. They were doing it because they didn't want to see me suffer the way I was suffering. Cause I was always worrying or upset or just, you know, in general stressed about stuff. This book really cleared some things out for me. Cause I just woke up one day and said, I'm just gonna do that. Like I'm gonna try this. And boy, if you really try it, it works. The first agreement, is be impeccable with your word, which I think everyone here is. Speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. Now, one thing I is very common is that people speak against themselves. You know, they talk about how overweight they are. They talk about how unhealthy they are. They talk about whatever. You know, it, it doesn't even have to seem like it's coming against you, but if you're talking about how bad every layer of every part of your day or every part of your life is, you are speaking against yourself. And at some point that just becomes your reality. You know what I'm saying? Um, then gossip. I'll find myself talking about something and I have gone and I have apologized to someone later and said, I wish that I hadn't have, have talked about that the way I did, I'm sorry. You know, and I'm telling you that because I don't believe in gossiping and I don't believe I furthered anybody's day by saying what I said and I call myself out for it because I don't even want to let 
that one person think that for a minute I thought it was a good idea for us to be talking about that. And boy, you can have something happen and someone can really do you wrong. And over the years, I've had so many people publicly speak badly about me or try to attack me that it would be so easy for me to say, well, you know, they, they haven't even done this with their life. How can they talk about, you know, me doing this? They've never been sick like me. You know, they've, they've never been, you know, had to fight to, to uh, build finances like me. They, they haven't been through any of this. And although nothing I'm saying is like ridiculing them or completely going against them, it's also not doing anything for anybody for me to just sit around and babble about how bad they are we all know how bad they are we all know they shouldn't have done what they did we all know they lack an integrity by doing it right but it didn't get us anywhere because i sat around and talked about it so that one is important for me too you know so avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others use the power of your word joel Osteen's really good about this he'll always say declare victory over your day Tell yourself you're more than a conqueror. Tell yourself you're going to lend and not borrow. Whatever your situation is, tell yourself you'll be well. And, and like I've told you, I had to brainwash myself sometimes to believe I'd be well or to believe I'd be successful because everything on the planet was telling me I wouldn't. Everything that has had to force it, right? The second one is don't take anything personally. <laughs> this was the one that I needed 20 years ago. <laughs> I was so young. I started working for Edward Jones when I was 17. You know, I mean, I was so young, thrown into an adult world. The first dinner we took clients out at, uh, they, they asked me for my ID and I wasn't drinking, you know, and I'm like, I'm 18, you know, I'm embarrassed. Now everyone at the table knows I'm 18. You know, I mean, it was just constant pressure, you know, so you could see where at a young age I would like, you know, probably take things on. It just worked at a young age. But it says, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. Uh, when you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. And at that point, that was when I had just became new to having faith. I'll say I was born again. I, I wasn't raised in church, so I was so sick, I didn't have faith. And so what they were trying to say to me is, if you could try to take ownership of God's opinion, and if you could try to seek his approval every day, you really won't be so caught up in getting the approval of your neighbor or the approval of your boss or the approval of your coworker. Because if, if what you do, you do it heartily unto the Lord, right? If I come in and I work, to please him and that means working a full day working hard you know always being constructive always helping and loving my neighbor i mean i don't really have to take anything personally because i'm not really going to be the victim of much because if someone does something bad to me it has nothing to do with me it has to do with them because i spent my day working hard having integrity loving my neighbor and being giving and kind and trying to follow all of his commandments, right? So it was so eye-opening to me that I thought to myself, well, I thought they said that because they really thought that about me. And maybe I'm doing something wrong that they would think that about me. You know what I mean? Or maybe I said that the wrong way, or maybe I did that the wrong way. Maybe I should just sit here and hyperanalyze every word I say and worry that someone's gonna be upset with me about it. I just can't worry about that stuff anymore. But 
If I don't walk in love, I, I mean, I am overcome with conviction. You know, and I'm human, you know, I'll, I'll say something sometimes where I'm like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it that way. Like that was the wrong thing to say. That was like some weird dragon living inside me that just came out and fire is now on you and I'll put the fire out and I'm sorry, that was rude. You know, I don't do it a lot, but I mean, I do it, I'm still human. That is, you, you gotta learn that people are gonna do that to you and it had nothing to do with you, right? It had everything to do with them and where they were at that current moment. And sometimes, think about it, where are they in their faith? Where's their faith environment? Like, what faith do they have? So a lot of times they're attacking you because they don't have the same secure position that you have. They have nothing to fall back on. They have nothing to take away their fear every day. They, they have nothing, you know? And so I kinda, even though someone's a jerk, I often feel sorry for them. I'm like, you, you have nothing. You know, you're acting like that because you're, you're lost. And so I end up praying for them, even though they've been, you know, which the Bible says to do, pray for your enemies. Don't make assumptions. This was the other one I needed the most help with 20 years ago. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And it was interesting because at that same time, my boss had given me, like he probably thought I needed it. He had given me a book from Jack, by Jack Welch. Um, uh, G -E yes, great guy. I mean, he's a really great guy to follow. I had followed him, you know, cause you know, I started 17 at Edward Jones and I worked in finance all those years. So he was like someone I really enjoyed reading from and he gave me a specific book from him and I, like it was about leadership, it was about how to run a company, and it was all about candor and just speaking candidly. And that, you, you know, as a leader, you just can't sugarcoat things. You can't be rude and disrespectful, but you have to be clear and concise. Otherwise, the vision becomes fogged, right? And, and people don't really know <laughs> what they're there for where he was always very clear on the vision and every person in that building should know this is what we're working towards. And so a lot of people over the years would say things like, you know, Debbie's just very standoffish. She doesn't really talk. You know, I can't really ever get her to talk to me or she's very intimidating. You know, I, I just, I have a difficult time talking, but really I was just focused. You know, that person was paying a dollar a minute so I didn't really think I should look over at the rest of the gym. I really felt like I should be so dead into that person that they got every bit of their dollars worth. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, and, and I guess in a way, what I had to come to the conclusion of is, I'm not gonna make the assumption that they think I'm a bad person because I'm intimidating. I'm not gonna make the assumption that they think I'm a bad person because I'm standoffish. I think they're gonna think I mean business, and this isn't a playhouse for me, this is a business. This is a place where we're saving people's lives and changing people's lives, and I'm gonna be serious about it. You know, now that doesn't mean everybody has to be that way, but that's the way I am. So I had to get to a place where I, did, I, I didn't make those assumptions. And I think where it says, find the courage to ask questions. You know, ask questions. If something isn't looking the way it's supposed to look, or it's not going the way it's supposed to go, respectfully ask the question. 
I've come to learn over the years, sometimes people receive text messages in a really weird way. Even though it could be, why is this not blue? They're thinking you said, you're a complete jerk and idiot because you didn't make it blue. But what they did was make an assumption off of your comment because they're feeling insecure because maybe they think they might have did it wrong. Meanwhile, I don't care if they made it green. We'll fix it together and make it blue. I just didn't know if someone changed something and decided they wanted it blue, right? So that's a dynamic, even with your family. It's not just in business. You know, with your family as you're communicating, you got you to gotta know a lot of their emotions sometimes. You, you, can't, you, you have to like get into this like personal bubble and go, I can just see right through what they're doing right now. Like they're, they're, none of this is really about me. So I'm gonna let them get it out and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna choose to not take it personally because if I do, we're gonna lose an entire weekend or we're gonna lose an entire day's worth of work or something like that. So I'm not gonna take it personally. And instead of making assumptions, I'm gonna say, okay, I just wanna clarify, you know, that you all decided you wanted to make it blue now. And I'm okay with that, but I went into it thinking it was gonna be green. You know, have the courage to come out and say it. And if people get uncomfortable and you sense that they're uncomfortable, family member, coworker, whatever it is, best friend, whoever it is, you can sense their discomfort. Don't let it just go so that you can go home and make assumptions about why they are. Just say to them, I'm starting to feel like you're a little bit stressed or a little bit uncomfortable right now. Is there anything I could do differently to help you to be less stressed or to help you to be more comfortable? That way, their stress doesn't keep compounding, 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 and maybe they'll have a moment where they could just release, well, I don't know, I just got 12 things I'm doing at one time right now, and then this is going on at home, and I'm just a you know what I'm saying? Give them that chance to just open it up and diffuse a little bit and maybe give them that chance to realize that you're okay with it. You know, you're okay with it. You can just, just tell me what's going on here, but I'm starting to notice that you're starting to, to get a little bit more stressed about this, or I'm starting to notice that you're pretty ticked off right now. You know what I mean? And I like things to go a little bit easier going than that. So what could we do to try to make it to where you're not so upset? I wouldn't just walk away from it and I wouldn't just ignore it. And that was one thing I did learn from, from Jack Welch is squash it, like just get it, get it squashed. Because you'll have one employee or one family member that will have a bad experience with you and they will harbor it. And that harboring will plant seeds of negativity into all your other people. You know, they'll, other people will see it the other family members will see it, right? I'm gonna use both examples. Let's say I tick one of the trainers off and they come out here, we don't talk about it, we don't fix it, okay? They start planting seeds into the other trainers. The next thing I know, it's a little bit different environment. Same holds true at home. If that happens at home, I'm gonna say, hey John, is there something I did to upset you? You know, is there something we need to talk about? You know, because I don't want him to go in the other room and for Sophie's mood to change because both of us are like, mm, you know, the whole time we're in the room, right? Let's just get it figured out in the kitchen and then we'll go in the other room, <sighs> slate's clean. We got it figured out, you know? Oh, I'll make sure I don't do it that way anymore. You'll make sure we don't say it this way. That's what ticked you off. All right, let's get it figured out. 
the worst thing we can do is go in the other room, sit in the chair, and feel like we're the teapot that is so boiled over that it's empty and it's now burning the bottom of the teal teapot because we've said nothing, right? We've done nothing about it. We're just sitting there like, <laughs> that was me 20 years ago. So I would, I would highly recommend this book. It was just very helpful to me. The last one is always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are tired as opposed to well-rested. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. What I have found with clients, when I really just let them talk and I try not to get in there and interfere too much, what we'll find is the reason they're so stressed is because they're snoozing every single morning and taking away the 15 minutes that they had to get their food prepped and get it packed and get out the door. And then at lunch, they're not going to lunch like they should, or they're not, they're ignoring the reminder to have their snack, okay? They're putting things off. They're not being assertive with their time. And so because of that, they're creating a situation where they're not running at their best. You know, they're just not. And then they're just self-abusing themselves because they go home and they're like, another day I didn't eat clean. Another day I didn't bring my food. Another day I didn't have time to work out. Another day this. It's like, schedule it. Be disciplined to make it happen. Be disciplined to do it. Otherwise, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna, you're gonna go home and self-sabotage yourself. You're gonna beat yourself up for the fact that you didn't do it. Um, but just do your best. You know, just do your best in everything. And if you feel like you're not doing your best in something, stop midway. It's okay to do half the job and then go forward doing an even better job on the other half. You know, I mean, you could just do your best, whatever you do. So those four agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and always do your best. This book is like this thick. It's not a big book, but each of those are like hyper expanded in ways that everybody benefits from, every single person. I don't know, I, I can't remember who that's, I'm sorry. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I, I mean, like I just went out to Pinterest and typed in the four agreements and those four agreements came up. So it's really easy to find. You'll find it on Amazon easily. So um, print that, print those four agreements, put it on your desk, you know, put it, put it home on the refrigerator. And when you go to, you know, assume something, look at it and go, I'm not gonna do that. You know, when you go to take something personally, look at it and go, how can I fix this? And that Jack Welch, I, I don't even remember, so many years ago, I don't even remember which book it was, but I think probably all of his books are really good. But that one particular one was regarding leadership and business. If I can think about it, I'll try to look it up. And it really was about understanding how to speak candidly and to just be upfront, real, in a positive manner so that people can clearly see your vision. And that needs to happen in all areas of your life. You need that with your family too. You, you have to have a vision for your future. What are we serving in this household? Do we have faith? All right, here's how, here's how we're gonna own that faith. Here's how we're gonna talk to each other. You know, here's how we're gonna clean the house. Here's how we're gonna shop. Here's how we're gonna eat. Here's how we're going to live. It's, it's a formula. There's leadership involved in that in order to have an efficient, happy home too. You know, so those dynamics are not just for business. They're very much for your personal life as well, I believe. Questions about any of that? No? 
Good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. No, next week we're here.